The Cosmic Adverse Podcast, written and read by Nick Perry. Book 1, Fireside Flush. Chapter 5, Halcyon. Once Ward had cleaned the dishes from dinner, he slinked off to his room, extinguishing the abode's candles along the way. An hour passed before Sir stood from his meditative pose and walked to his own room where he prepared a rucksack with a deerskin blanket and iron-bladed knife. His room was small and bare. Sir had never been given gifts or toys as a boy. Instead, Ward had given him, given him tools to build the furniture that composed his room. Sir reflected on the evening's change in Ward's demeanor while he packed. A small bed lay in the center of the room. A small opening in the abode's outer wall served as his only window. Crimson curtains, stitched by Sir and made from old clothes, lined either side of the window. Natural light from the stars bathed the bed where Sir worked on his rucksack. Once he had finished preparing for his evening, Sir slipped out of the home and met the darkened outlines of Balu, Viti, Lavu, and Roland standing in the dirt road. The trio of older boys gave Sir a hard time about being late, and he met their pestering with a weak smile. The team walked the street of the village towards the front gate. The dirt road, lit on either side with the peaceful glow of candles from the surrounding homes, showed the boys the way out of the village. All was quiet except for the occasional stray voice from conversations inside the humble abodes. The boys continued through the village's gate and toward the cliff that overlooked the village. As Sir Viti, Lavu, Balu, and Roland moved from the dirt road and into the jungle, the star's brightness morphed into speckles of light that flourished through the canopy. The boys chatted with one another as they continued their trek upwards. Sir led the group, followed by Roland, then the three others. Balu, Viti, and Lavu took turns trying to pull pranks on one another all along the hike to the top. The boys soon reached the top of the cliff, exiting the dense jungle flora into a clearing that had been preserved by many generations of Tuatoman boys. The clearing reached to the edge of the cliff and sat about 200 feet above the jungle canopy. The boys could look over the tightly packed trees all the way to the volcano that protruded from the vegetation like a mahogany sail among an emerald sea. The volcano was Mount Vor, the home and throne of the Keeper of the Flame, Tandro Shugara. The boys made their camp by setting up two tents with the backs towards the jungle. A round pit of ash sat in the middle of the clearing, Sir had very fond memories of countless camping excursions that he and the others had enjoyed through their youth. After the boys had pitched their tents and made their campsite, they prepared for the night's hunt by unpacking their weapons of choice. Balo examined a two-handed mace that he polished with great care. His father had given it to the dark-skinned trauber boy as a gift when he had seen Thirteen Harvests. Viti removed the one-handed axe from his rucksack. The cobalt head of the weapon shimmered against the moonlight. Lavu unsheathed the machete that hung at his side. Lavu had used that same machete to keep the surrounding jungle's foliage at bay when they had all been younger. Its copper blade, which radiated in the daytime, seemed dull in the twilight. Even Roland had packed a weapon, his trusty slingshot that Sir had helped him build only a few harvests ago. Sir had whittled one of the branches from a local blackwood tree, and Roland had tied raw rubber around the uprights of the frame. Roland had since improved upon the design by adding a small piece of leather to serve as a slingshot's pocket. Sir brought a small knife that he used in the fields. The blade was one of the few items that Ward had given him. Sir moved his hand across the smooth ivory finish of the knife's handle as he placed the weapon and its sheath inside his rud rudimentary twine belt. 
Sir had no idea that the handle was made from dragon bone, only that it had served him well in the farm outside of Tutoma. The knife's blade had never needed sharpening, despite Sir's frequent use. The boys soon finished their preparation and disappeared into the jungle. The hunt was on. Sir crouched in the dense underbrush of the jungle, with his knife secured squarely in his teeth. The sound of his bated breath surrounded the boy, alone in the jungle and lying in wait for what would happen next. During the daytime, the jungle teemed with life. Tonight, however, the wind and the wildlife were deadly calm. The diverse flora hung still around Sir. The young seraphim could hear the throbbing sound of Balu's giant mace swinging through the thick underbrush in his attempt to flush out the boy's prey, occasionally hitting the base of a nearby tree with a loud thwump. The boys regularly went hunting in this part of the jungle. The fauna were usually large enough for the five boys to at least have a late night snack. Tonight, their goal was a fair boar that Viti had tracked far into the jungle. Sir's eyes acclimated to the surrounding darkness as he listened to the other's commotion. The boy's plan was simple. Balu, being the largest of the group, would flush out the mother fair boar while the others hid in the shadows. They would be the ones responsible for claiming her life tonight and putting her over a fire for dinner. Sir didn't need the food. His uncle's steak was far more filling than the boy had originally known. As Sir stared into the brightening twilight, the face of the woman in the sword entered his mind's eye. For some reason, his memory replayed the moment when she turned her head to return Sir's gaze. In that momentary glance, he couldn't see her expression. That left Sir with an uneasy feeling in the pit of his stomach. He continued sitting in the darkness as he thought of his meditation, Eo, and the face of the woman. He wondered if it had all been a hallucination. Sir had worked a long day in the fields. He pondered if the day's sun had made him lightheaded but the figure's motion had seemed too real. The Tomasi's mind turned in deep thought. Sir decided he would look into the matter tomorrow morning. The thick underbrush rustled ahead of him, snapping the boy out of his internal reflection. Sir's eyes flicked upwards from the ground and met face to face with Big Mama Fairbore. Shit! Sir yelled as the Fairbore lunged at the young seraphim. He jumped out of his hiding spot and galloped toward the others. Sir vaulted over tree roots as he made his way to the others. Shit indeed, Lavu yelled as the blur of Sir's outline rushed the Farama boy. Vitti squealed with excitement. Here we go, you're mine tonight, he yelled at the fair boar. Vitti and Lavu scooted out of Sir and the fair boar's way as the Tomasi and the angry mother ran past them at breakneck speed. Vitti and Lavu could soon be seen following behind. Roland had perched himself on top of a tree. He had an excellent view of the chase. He watched as Lavu reached for the fair boar's tail. The boy who could play with fire grabbed under the tail, causing the fair boar to let out a blood-curdling squeal. The animal reared its ugly head, a tangle of tusks and hair, and prodded Lavu's hand. The pig caught Lavu and managed to sink a tusk into the boy's hand. Fuck! Lavu screamed. In one swift movement, he let go of the tail, fell to the ground, and clutched his wounded hand. That bitch pig took a gash out of me. It's all right, Vitti yelled as he continued the hunt. I'm going to tackle her. Sir continued his straight line path through the jungle. He knew he was faster than the fair boar, but the one the villagers called Tomasi also knew that Vitti was faster than he. All Sir had to do was wait for Vitti to catch up. It didn't take long. Here goes nothing, Vitti screamed as he lunged for the fair boar. 
The boy landed squarely on the pig's back and held on with a tight bear hug. The fair boar squealed as it squirmed, trying to face her captor. Having no luck, she bellowed a deep, gurgling squeal. Fire streamed from the pig's lips and spewed toward Vitti's head. Fuck! Vitti yelled as he let go of the fair boar, narrowly escaping the onslaught of flames coming his way. The fair boar quickly ran into the thick cover of the jungle. Sir had slowed to a jog by the time he reached Vitti, sitting on his knees and furiously cursing. That bitch, Vitti said, shaking his fist in the air. I'll find you, boar, and I'll have you for dinner. They were soon joined by the others, who helped Vitti to his feet. Looks like she escaped to fight another day, Balu mused. It was fun while it lasted, Roland added. Fun? Fun? Vitti stood up and faced Roland. This is war! The boys laughed at Vitti's outburst. Sir put a hand on the disrupt boy's shoulder. You'll get her next time, I'm sure. Vitti shrugged off Sir's hand and made his way back to their campsite on the hill. Maybe so, sir. Maybe so. You didn't do so bad yourself, kid, with one good eye and all. Sir winced. The young seraphin's smile had grown so large that it caused his black eye to sting with pain. The group of five returned to the campsite and sat around an empty flame. Their bellies sang the eternal tune of emptiness. Every time the grumbling song reached a crescendo, the boys gripped their bid section and laughed. They may not have had a fair board to roast that night, but they were content enough to be able to spend time with one another. Sir was quite glad to have this time away from the village and away from the responsibility of the farm. To say that the village was a source of mixed emotions for the boy would be an understatement. There was an entire lifetime waiting to be lived by Sir and Tuatoma. But tonight, and other rare nights like these, Sir was more than willing to forget the burden of living through his dreary destiny. After an hour or so of storytelling and bullshitting, the kind that only young boys are capable of, the trio of Balu, Viti, and Labu stood to stretch and call it a night. Good night, all. Viti waved to Sir and Roland. Labu noticed that Sir and Roland had brought out their deerskin blankets into the open. Aren't you going to sleep in your tent? he asked. Not us, Sir said, smiling. Can't miss a chance to escape the village and see the stars. Well, you two have fun watching twinkling specks of shit, Vitti retorted. With that, the trio of boys, Balu, Vitti, and Lavu, entered their tent and closed the flap, snickering and commenting along the way. Sir and Roland lay down near the smoldering bonfire and covered themselves in the blankets. Roland watched as Sir put his hands behind his head and then mimicked the older boy's movements. The boys stared up at the stars. Sir thought about infinite possibilities and his destiny's seeming desire to force him into a life imprisoned, composed of hard work and abuse. He frowned at this less than optimistic realization and moved his mind towards Roland. He could only wonder what the younger boy saw in the stars. Sir hoped it was much more pleasant. Sir and Roland watched as the stars radiated against twilight's melancholy. The stars were so peaceful yet so full of life. Sir took a deep breath and noticed, high in the air, a cobalt phoenix flying silently in the direction of the dormant volcano, Mount Vur. In one of the rooms of the Black Spire, high above the capital city of Lethia, a robed figure sat before a large table covered in green felt. To his right sat a stack of playing cards, and to his left the upturned Queen of Diamonds. 
I'm feeling rather lucky today, the man in black said, smiling. Let's show the whole flop. Pale, white hands protruded from the black robes and grabbed the deck of cards. It was something that he had done countless times before in that room, and it seemed that the number of possibilities was endless. There would be five cards when everything would be said and done. That's how it was always played, after all. The man in black considered himself a magician by trade and a dealer by hobby. He seemed to spend more time shuffling cards to empty players, sitting in empty seats, than using any sort of canta. The owner of those pale hands would rather be stirring up trouble down in the Navarran population. It didn't matter which keepered him. He enjoyed chaos in any form under anyone's rule. It just made things so much more interesting. Cause a riot over here, start a war over there, steal some gold from those yonder. It didn't matter to the magician as long as he could get out of this stuffy room. He enjoyed the darkness, don't get him wrong, but he wanted so much that his core being compelled him to spread the wealth. It also compelled him to get out and get some vitamin D. The man in black licked his lips as he stared at the rose-colored back of the card on top of the deck. That was a dangerous deck, he knew, because it only served one purpose in this Keeper's Forsaken world. That deck would tell him when the creator had decided to reveal the Tome of Tomes. Chaos was on the horizon for the world of Nevera, and the conspiracy would reach every single person in the land. The man in black held the cards up and watched their sheen reflect the single light above him. An ocean of green felt covered the table before him. Small markings indicated where players should sit and potential payouts. None of them were good. He hoped that today would be the day, but he wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't. He had been doing this more times than he could count, and so far he hadn't hit the jackpot. With one quick movement, the rogue figure dealt two cards from the top of the pile. They lay face down, their red backs turned upright. The man in black took a large breath and turned each card over. My God, he gasped. It has begun. The overturned cards revealed Nevera's flop. The Queen of Spades was joined by her ace and Jack. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Adverse Podcast, Book 1, Fireside Flush. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and I hope you decide to subscribe, whether your favorite directory is through iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or one of the other methods of uh, enjoying the Cosmic Adverse podcast. I hope you feel free to uh, leave feedback. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. Um, You can find us on our website, CosmicAdverse.com. You can also find me on Twitter at CosmicAdverse. Other than that, talk to you next week.